from the Medical Republic, I'm Francis Wilkins. This is The Tea Room. Dr. Chris Olganowski is the last of the seven candidates who've nominated themselves for next RACGP president and who've joined us here in The Tea Room for a chat. Chris has worked as a doctor for 11 years, six of those in general practice. But he's also worked in law and briefly in investment banking, so he brings some interesting skills and experience to the table. Among other things, Chris is concerned that GP specialists are increasingly treated as what he calls backseat players when compared with other medical specialists and allied health professionals. We'll be hearing more about that in a moment. Chris, welcome to the Tea Room and thanks for joining us for chat. Hi, Francis. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So the, the question obviously on everyone's mind is why are you running for RACGP president? Yeah, thanks, Francis. Look, I decided to run for RACGP president about a year ago due to the increasing disregard I feel the government has for GPs. As you mentioned, I mean, I guess my main kind of ethos is that we are being treated as as third-rate health professionals or backseat players behind non-GP specialists, but ever increasingly behind allied health professionals. This is clearly apparent this week more so with the Nursing Association coming out and trying to nip at our heels in terms of what uh, they're pushing for in terms of nurse uh, treatment rights. Um, That's something that's a clear example currently during the whole of COVID, I think you know things like the vaccine rollout showed that we were put behind allied health professionals and other doctors who were not seeing patients. That's what really got my goat, if I'm honest, and that's what made me look a little bit deeper into perhaps running um, for president. I want the public to feel confident that we're the best people to provide medical care, not pharmacists, not nurses per se when it comes to doctor's duty. So these are some of the reasons that spurred me on to um, to run for president. The whole of the medical and healthcare system is in a bit of a crisis though, isn't it? It's not confined to GPs? Absolutely not. I'd agree with that. There are definitely a lot of areas that you know, are in peril, uh, which is why I think as well, I mean, kind of desperate scrambling to try to you know, nip away at the duties or, you know, the the rights and responsibilities of other health practitioners by some groups. I'm not really um, sure why that's occurring. And and as Dr. Karen Price said this week, it's a little bit disappointing. I think the Nursing Association coming out and doing that at such a time of crisis. I mean, if there's a huge nursing shortage, which we're hearing about all the time, I'm not sure why we need to also then um, be increasing their rights and responsibilities beyond what they're already doing. Given that's your sort of your passion, though, what was your vision for the RACGP? How do you see it as um, a body that would allow you to improve the position of the GP workforce and the respect they uh, receive and deserve? Look, I, I think the RACGP it, it is it has a lot of potential. I don't want to adopt a scorched earth policy and and purely criticise the college. I do think it does a lot of good work. It faces a lot of challenges. Unlike something like the Pharmacy Guild, which seems to act only to further the commercial interests of pharmacy owners, I think the college has to represent a very broad church, so to speak, of members, of clinic owners, patient advocacy, you know, social issues such as Aboriginal health in particular, you know, refugee health, all of these issues. It's quite hard, I think, for the college to try to navigate through these different opinions, views, challenges, and then to come up with policy sometimes. I'd like to see a greater democratisation of the college. I'd like to see better engagement. And we hear about that all the time, people saying we need better engagement with members. Trying to develop policy, I think, you know, without proper member engagement, I think that's difficult. I think the college tries to do this sometimes, but it's not being done as well as it could. I think member apathy is probably at an all-time low, as we saw with the last 
um, college presidential election, one out of 10 members voted. And part of that touches on my next point, which would be improving the education of registrars as well as fellows. Basically, we finish our, you know, our training as registrars and we're basically told by you know, the powers that be, you go off, do your own thing, we'll see you later, you just need to get your 40 or, or 60 or 80 or whatever, how many points it is per year. Without proper support, I mean, we have to go and do that paying out of our own pocket to pay for, you know, travel to, to conferences and whatnot. We have to then, you know, and we get some kind of reward for that through the, the tax office, but I think that could be done a lot better. We could also be getting some paid leave, which is what our non-GP specialist colleagues seem to do and seem to get when they... Uh, engage in such CPD. So I'm just wondering why there's this huge divide in the treatment of GPs and non-GP specialists, and I'd be advocating for for greater support for education. And I, look, I think once again, the college faces a lot of challenges now in training IMGs and Australian university-based registrars. I think greater funding from the government would be welcomed, and it's something I'd be pushing for as well. So, I mean, it all ties in, once again, to that third-rate health professional ethos that I'm talking about. I mean, I think we're becoming the equivalent of Uber drivers in the medical landscape. Do you think that the voice of the membership is not getting through to the college, or is it the, the voice is there, that the college knows what the messages are, but somehow it's not being effective in articulating that to the outside world, to government, to regulators, or you know, the relevant parties? Look, I think that's a great question. I honestly believe that a lot of members feel they're not being heard. They feel the college is a, a separate entity that, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of cynicism around this. It, it's felt that it's a it's a bureaucratic institution that takes fees from its members, it regulates CPD, and that's about it. And then the college really, you know, runs by its own clock, so to speak. We're so disengaged with the college, unless we actively work in it and we're a faculty member or a chair, et cetera, um, that we feel we're not going to be heard properly, which is why I think we need to democratise it better. I think more than just having an annual summit, I think there should be more encouragement of more frequent summits, which are also based on political action, not simply CPD and attaining CPD points and paying for courses and the like. I think we need to focus on some key issues now to do with working conditions. I'll be blunt, that's what I think is our biggest priority. And that comes down to upskilling GPs to ensuring that our rights you know, and our responsibilities are not taken away by the Australian Psychological Society, by the pharmacy, etc. It's interesting you said that because a senior member of one of the, the doctor's groups did say to me about a couple of weeks ago that they were concerned that reform of Medicare could be compromised if senior doctor groups asked for too much. You know, if they took a long shopping list to the government and said, mm. we want this, this, and this, is, would the way to compromise be just saying, well, these areas we'll just have to leave? We, we need to focus on a smaller, a rationalized sort of list, if you like. Are, are there things which you would say, well, just, let, just let's leave that. We can't do everything. Let's focus on those key areas. Yeah, look, like I've said, I think, I think the main priority now are GP working conditions. Now, that's a broad term, but social issues are really important. And it's something the GP, I think, the GP college should release statements on. It's something that, you know, we, we should have a presence on and advocate for. But realistically, when it comes to lobbying of government, when it comes to meeting with government and trying to get action, we have to ask all members of the college, what are the biggest three issues? Okay, so you have a, a little tick box system online. What are the three biggest issues to you at the moment? Is it the move from bulk to mixed billing? Is it capitation? You know, is it a lack of PPE? Is it feeling unsafe in your workplace because 
you're being exposed to COVID without adequate PPE while being unvaccinated, those types of things. I mean, it doesn't have to be that specific, uh, but if you get much, it's about asking, let's say, out of the 20 biggest issues that seem to be coming up again and again, where does the Medicare rebate and remuneration sit versus working conditions about education and upskilling and you know, how do, how do GPs feel about having to do CPD, you know, over the, the last two years when we've all been doing so much reading and keeping up to date, you know, with, with the latest on COVID? Thankfully, the, the college arrived at a reasonable position and, and has allowed for some, you know, credit to be given for all the, you know, undoubted learning that we've had to do during the COVID period if we've been working. Chris, you've mentioned a, a couple of times the government's role in all this. And as an RACGP president, you would have to deal with the government at a number of levels. How would you manage that relationship? What do you think are the key things you would be doing to ensure that you get what you want on behalf of the members when working with government? I think we need to get greater clarity on what is most important to members. And then, as we've spoken earlier in the podcast about, you know, presenting that to government not overwhelming government with a, a long shopping list, as you talk about, but thinking, you know, saying, what are the biggest issues at the moment? Personally, I think the Pharmacy Guild issue is is an emergency. What's happening there? It's so current. You know, the Pharmacy Guild asked them to prescribe 20 things at once and being effectively given a green light almost by the Queensland State Government. GP remuneration, as I say, is really important, but we need to find out from members, you know, what do you, I mean, do you agree with that as a member or do you think, you know, GP remuneration MBS item numbers need to be increased? Do we need to add new item numbers, perhaps for a 15-minute consult as opposed to a, you know, six-minute or a 20-minute consult? You know, if we've frozen Medicare, can we add new numbers? Other colleges seem to get that done. Other guilds and associations get that done. Why can't we do that as a college? And I think it all does hark back to that, the fact that we are slightly, you know, we're lacking unity, I think. And then if you factor in as well other organisations such as ACRAM and the AMA, I mean, we do a lot of work together, but I think we should improve our relationship with those organisations. I think what happened with the RTO and the, the regional training providers set up with GP Synergy in particular um, uh, with the RACGP last year, it, it was a bit of an insult to, to ACRAM. I probably would have handled that slightly differently. That's not me criticising anyone, but I think we really need to come together. So we get greater collaboration within the college itself, but then we collaborate with ACRA with the AMA and other medical GP representative bodies, and we work together to get a unified voice. These, these are the, the big two or three issues we want to address with government. And look, I'm hopeful that we will have a little bit more uh, progress with the, the current government, but I guess we'll just have to see. Hmm. What about the state governments? How would you see the relationship with them? Would it change? Or do you think the OCGP has a good relationship with state government? There are certain premiers who I think their, their treatment of, of GPs and their, you know, the statements they've made about GPs during the COVID period were absolutely abhorrent. You know, saying that the GPs were in it for the money, basically, and that, you know, it was a Hippocratic oath that we had to see all patients. I mean, this just clouds the waters. It turns public opinion against us. Doing this kind of thing for political gain during a pandemic when there are real lives and real health at risk. Having said that, there are, there are bridges that can be mended there. Um, and I think we need to, to have a greater collaboration both at federal and state level. I mean, payroll tax in New South Wales this is clearly a huge issue for clinic owners. Um, I think we need to collaborate better there and have a better channel of communication with the New South Wales state government as well as all states um, when it comes to these issues. 
Do you have any sense of what public sentiment might be around some of the issues we've discussed? We've seen in the last few days very considerable media coverage of the question of bulk billing. Now, patients go to see a GP as a health professional. They're not necessarily au fait with the internal politics of healthcare. Hmm. But uh, do you think they would be on board with greater efforts from the GP sector to improve the situation in which they are? Yeah, thanks, Francis. It's a good question. Look, I think other colleges have done a far better job, I'll be blunt, uh, with engaging their, their patient base, the ophthalmological college in particular, and it's worked. You know, it's actually got progress uh, for members of those colleges. I think the GP college could do a better job at this through more frequent media engagement and patient engagement. You know, why aren't there signs up explaining, you know, we've hosted saying, you know, this is the reason why we're moving to these kind of uh, billing methods with a greater explanation of it. Each clinic's left to its own devices basically to communicate this to, to patients. The media now seems to be taking a lot of interest in it. My fear is that it might turn into more of a, you know, witch hunt, so to speak, um, against doctors making money and doctors, you know, wanting to profit um, off patients. I, I think we do need to um, engage patients in a more um, effective manner, that's for sure. And if I was to be elected president, I can guarantee you, you'd be hearing a lot more from me than what's been heard uh, in the last couple of years. And that's not a criticism of, of Dr. Karen Price. I've got tremendous respect for her, but I do think the, the, the RACGP has effectively disappeared from public view. So I'd like to bring us back and get us you know, more in, in, into the public eye and explain these issues to the public, you know, send out emails to the public or to our patients or encourage college members to perhaps pass on some of this information um, through emails, etc. That was Dr. Chris Oganowski talking to The Tea Room. If you missed earlier episodes where we spoke to the other candidates for RSCGP president, visit medicalrepublic.com.au to hear what they had to say. You can also search for us on your favorite podcast player and you can subscribe there. Leave us a review if you like. And if you have any news tips or want to chat, you can email me at francis at medicalrepublic.com.au. The Tea Room is a production by the journalists at The Medical Republic. Visit medicalrepublic.com.au to keep up to date with all the latest news and views in general practice. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. We love to keep you informed. Thanks very much for tuning in.